This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week by Pastor Gene Amoson. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. Six hundred years before Christ in Judah, the prophet Habakkuk wrote this. Chapter 2, verse 2 says, Then the Lord replied, Write down the vision and make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may what? Run with it. So that a herald may run with it. Today we're starting, like I said, our series called Run With It. If you've been around Church Live any amount of time, you've seen that we've got three words that we use a lot around this church. You may see them on the wall this morning. You see them with our logo, and those words are love, grow, and lead. And this comes from the vision of what we want to see take place in the lives of people in this church. Come on. That's what we want to see take place. And we're going to be talking about that the next three weeks. Matthew 16, 18, uh, Jesus said that I'll build my church. Everybody say his church. This is his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And y'all, all of us have the privilege to partner with him to be able to build his church. And we do this, uh, you know, we, we use our giftings and we use our abilities and we use our resources to be able to build the church. And at Church Alive, we believe that God's called us to do these three things that you see on, our, on the wall, love, grow, and lead. So today we're going to focus on love. Everybody say love. love. A disclaimer, I have got a lot of scripture about love today. Are y'all okay with a lot of the word of God? Come on now. Y'all don't just want my opinion on love, right? We want to see what the word of God says about love. Love is probably the most used four-letter word in the world. And can't we all agree that's a good thing? But love is also very watered down whenever you think about it. How many of y'all just, like me, use the word love way too much? Like, oh, I just love this. Like, oh, I just love your shoes. Or I just love your watch. Or, or I just love tacos. Actually, I really do love tacos. Um, anybody else? joking, right? We don't really love these things. Whenever we think about love and, and what do we love or who do we love, we love family. How many of y'all love your, your, your spouse, love your kids, right? You'll do anything for them. You love your friends, you love your church family, but we've done a really good job of kind of watering down the meaning of love. And as it relates to our Christian walk, okay, so what we're supposed to be doing as believers, in the words of Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? Everything. Love's got everything to do with our Christian walk. It's the central theme of God's Word. The Bible is God-breathed. We're told that God is love. So how could it not be the central theme whenever the Word is about God, right? And so that means that love is obviously very important. And y'all, that's the reason that it is the foundation, the first part of our vision at Church Alive. Because if you can't get love right, you can't get anything right. You got to be able to love before you can even progress forward. We've got to start on the right foundation. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed that we are living in times to where there's not nearly as much love as there maybe was a little while back. And I'm not talking about just in the last couple years. I mean, you know, decades back. But we can honestly say that maybe since about November of 2015, things have gotten squirrely, and people have gotten very opinionated, and people have gotten very divided, and it's gotten to a place to where if you don't agree with somebody, they may just think that you are hating them. But as believers, y'all, we're not to be that way. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, we can't be that way. 
We're called to be different. Corinthians tells us to come out from among the rest and be ye separate. To not look like the world. Right? And so that's the way we've got to be. So I've got a few questions for you today. The first one today is, does God love everyone? Anybody say no today? All right, you're all running 100% thus far. Good job. Good job. So does God love you? All right, they're going to get harder. Does God love Muslims? Uh, Does God love politicians? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Kidding, kidding. Uh, Does God love abortion doctors? Last one, does God love atheists? Y'all, he even loves those who say he doesn't exist and those who curse his name. What an amazing God we serve, amen? What an amazing God we serve. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, here's some good news, I'm a whosoever, you're a whosoever, everybody's a whosoever, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, which means that whosoever is everybody, and so everybody has the opportunity to be able to experience his salvation. God's plan for salvation to send his son did not include just a certain group of people. It did not include just a certain denomination. It did not include just a certain color. It included everybody. Come on now. Whosoever, and we're whosoever's, and that's good news for everyone that walked the earth. And he even knew that so many people were going to deny the gift of salvation that he offered, but he still gave Jesus to be that perfect, that perfect sacrifice for us. And he did it even before we got our act together. Because Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, while we were still messed up, while we were still doing dope, while we were still running around on our spouse, while we were still doing all these things we weren't supposed to, Christ still died for us. Before we ever got our act together, he still died for us. And that is such good news. It shows us that our past doesn't matter. You've heard me say this a lot of times, maybe during ministry time. Your past doesn't matter no matter how bad it was. Only his past matters because his took care of yours. His took care of yours. God didn't say, well, start to act perfect the same way that Jesus was, and then maybe we'll consider salvation. He didn't say that. He said, come as you are. Come on with your messed up self. Right? I'll take you just the way you are. Thank the Lord for that. He showed us so much love. So God does indeed love everyone. That was question one. My second question today is, does God deserve our love? Yes, he deserves our love. Why do we love God? Because whenever you look at his goodness and how he's shown his love for us, I don't know about you, but whenever I look at my life and I just see God's goodness in my life, it almost seems nearly impossible not to be able to love God. Anybody else feel that way? I mean, how how could you not love such a loving God? 1 John 4.19 says we love him because he first, somebody say first, he first loved us. I want you to think about the pain that he went through for you on the cross. The most gruesome death. He went through it on the cross with you on his mind. The whole time he was hanging there, he was thinking about everyone in this room. 
everyone in this room, have any of you ever had to just endure something that was extremely hard, maybe extremely painful, as we sometimes say, you just had to grunt it out knowing that at the end of it, it would be well worth it. Has anybody ever been through something like that? You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you had to pick up another job because y'all were just dealing with some stuff and you felt like you were working 28 hours a day, right? And you're just like, we're going to get through this and it's going to be worth it in the end. Anybody ever had to just kind of suffer through stuff, right? Well, Jesus had to go through something very hard, but, but he did it because he knew that there was something good on the other side of it. You see, Hebrews 12.2 says this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now, what is this joy? You see that the, the joy that was set before him, what the joy was is it was him knowing the joy of knowing the bliss that he would experience and he would share with us for eternity if he would just keep on going through what he was enduring. The joy that he would have us, y'all, we were the joy. Come on now. That his sacrifice would ultimately, he would get us almost like a reward. That was the joy that was set before him. And this empowered him to be able to go through the agony, to be able to go through the pain of what he was dealing with. Such an absolutely horrible death. So God loves everyone, yes. We believe that he deserves our love. And then number three is, is should we love everyone? Oh, man, this one just got harder, didn't it? Yeah, this is a hard one, but, but let's look at what the, the Word of God says. Let's go to Luke 10 real quick. And we're going to start in verse 25. We're going to go for about 12 verses. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test. That's interesting, to test Jesus. Can I go ahead and tell you, anytime you try to test Jesus, you're going to lose. He stood up to try to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But whenever he saw the man lying there, he actually crossed over to the other side of the road and passed by him. Verse 32, a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Amen. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bills run higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Verse 36, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the one who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Y'all, that's strong. 
That's strong. Um, just so you know, between the Samaritans and the Jews, they didn't really like each other. I don't mean like Alabama versus Auburn, we don't like you. I'm talking they hated one another. The fact that the Samaritan would stop and do this was huge. Now, I think it's very interesting to see that a priest, right? So we can assume a Jewish priest, a Jewish temple assistant, like type of folks, basically had the attitude of, yeah, I'm not going to get into this today. And, I mean, they apparently looked at him and were like, nope, and they just eased right on around him. But then you had this Samaritan who felt compassion. Somebody say compassion. Who felt compassion for him, and he did the right thing. And Jesus refers to those that we may not care for as our neighbors. In this scripture right here, he says, basically, they're your neighbors. I want you to know something today. The Bible doesn't recommend that we love everyone. It doesn't say, well, my desires is that you would consider loving everyone. I want you to understand today that we're actually commanded to love people. That's a big word. Commanded. And it's not to just be commanded by a human being. This is God commanding us to love other people. Uh, you see, John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Think about that, the same way that he's loved us. How has he loved us? Man, just like so unconditionally and severely almost, right? It's, I don't know if that's an appropriate word but extreme love. You know, his love for us isn't a flaky love. How many of y'all have had somebody in your life and, and, man, you felt like you were tight? And then just like that, it's like, whoa, where, where'd they go? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You got somebody that's tight in your life, and the next thing you know, they rip you via text message, and you're like, well, I guess I'll never see them again. I've had that happen. Anybody else? God's love is nothing like human being love that, that we know. It's, it's so much more extreme. It's so much deeper. In John 13, 34, it says this. It says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. A new what? Commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. The same way that I've loved you, I want you to show that same love to other people. He looked past our problems. He looked past our messed up beliefs. He looks past so many things, and he's telling you, now you need to do this to other people. That's what he's telling us today. In the same way that I loved you, you, you need to love other people. John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Your love will prove, somebody say prove, will, will prove to the world that you're my disciples. If we were to be honest today, how many of us might say that we've not done the best job proving to the world that we're his disciples based on 
the love that we show. Anybody, can anybody else say that today? And I'm talking to myself. You know, the Word of God tells us that we're to be conformed to the image of Christ. Amen. And it seems like we, we live in a time, and maybe some of us have been guilty of doing this, but we live in a time to where sometimes we will argue with people to prove our point that we're right. Listen to me, and you may be right whenever it comes to beliefs, whenever it comes to how you feel about things. It could be work-related. And we argue with them, and we prove to them that we're right, but we're not looking anything like Christ in the process. Amen. We're looking nothing like Christ. And there actually may be some kind of like personal satisfaction or gratification that we get, but there's no Christ-likeness that comes from it. Can we just get honest? I think sometimes we do that, but we've got to understand that it's love. Somebody say love. It's love that will draw people to God. It's love that will draw people to God. You may be right about things, and can I go ahead and just tell somebody today, it's impossible for us to always be right about everything in our life. There are some people that feel that they have to be right about everything. And y'all, I want you to know it's impossible to be that way. Christ followers don't accuse people. Christ followers don't just tear others down. Christ followers don't talk behind others' backs. Christ followers are not ultra-opinionated. And I'm going to be honest with you, if this is something that you do, and if you claim to be a Christian, something's wrong because you can't do these things and then get in the car and turn on K-Love and sing How Great Is Our God along with Chris Tomlin and call yourself a believer. There's something wrong with that. Amen. You hear me? There, there's something wrong with that. Galatians 5 tells us that there's fruit that only the Holy Spirit produces. Like love, like joy, like peace, like goodness, like self-control. Come on, right? And, and those are the attributes that should be flowing out of us because of our relationship with him. And I think there's too many believers that have not honed in on the fact that we're commanded to love. And so they say they're Christians, but they're not acting anything like Christ. And the fruit of the Spirit's not flowing out of them, but... Ironically, one chapter over past the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 6, it says that we do not need to be deceived because God is not mocked, and whatever a man sows, he's also going to reap as well. Y'all, we've got to watch how we behave. Come on now. Y'all, love is what God's expecting from us. Can somebody say amen today? But we're commanded to love everyone, those who are lost, of course, we just read about that, but even believers as well. Now, this should be fairly easy, but it's not always that easy, right? First uh, John 4, 20 and 21 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, if you can't love somebody that's sitting in the section next to you or that you see in this church, but you say you can love an unseen God, something's wrong. Something is wrong. 
And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. In 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13, and may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow, Paul tells us. May it grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. May he as a result make your hearts strong, blameless and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. With all his holy people. Y'all, he said all people. Not just the ones we like. All. Somebody say all. all. Now, y'all know the redneck definition of all is there ain't no more. <laughs> right? There ain't no more. We've got to love all people. Not, not just the ones that are nice to us, but, but your family. Even those crazy family people that you avoid at times. Your friends, the people who you don't agree with. Whenever it comes to whether it's their politics or their lifestyle, whatever it is, he says to love them all. We've got to love all people. We've got to love believers as well. And he says that our love for each other should actually grow. And y'all, the more time we spend with the Father, listen to me, the more time we spend with the Father, the more we're going to become like him. The more we become like him, the more we can love other people, right? That's the way it works. Matthew 5.46 says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. So we're to love even those who, may see, who we may see as our enemies or those that we maybe don't agree with whatsoever. You know, there's times where we're maybe turned off by people based on their past. We hear something we're like, hey. Or maybe by what they're dealing with right now or, or maybe their beliefs or maybe their opinions on things. But I want us to think about Jesus. Just think about how Jesus interacted with people. Remember whenever he met the woman at the well. She had a past. She had rolled through some husbands. And she was living in sin at that time. And here's the funny thing. He kind of read her mail a little bit. You know, he said, the man you're living with right now is not even your husband. And she's like, I think you might be a prophet. And he's like, yeah. And, um, but you notice he didn't get on to her. I mean, he didn't, he didn't just dress her down. He just showed love to her. And we see that his love towards her did a heart change in her. And that whole area ended up coming to know Jesus as a result. But think about had it been different, if he would have got all on to her, she would have just walked away in shame. The town wouldn't have been touched. The town wouldn't have been touched whatsoever. Think about Zacchaeus and Matthew. They were tax collectors. Zacchaeus admitted ripping people off. And he said, I'm going to make it right. Why? Because Jesus took time and loved him. Amen. He actually went and had a meal with him and just apparently poured into his life. And then you got Matthew, you know, he was probably doing the same thing. He actually becomes a follower of Jesus, right? He actually got a book in the New Testament for Pete's sakes. I mean, Jesus loved lepers, those who were unclean, the ones who were outcasts. Jesus just loved them. He healed them. And as a result, it changed their life. 
but he ministered to these. He didn't walk the opposite direction, and his love drew people to him. Drew, drew people to him. And for those that, that we're turned off by, I just want to remind you that Jesus had them on his mind whenever he was going to the cross in the same way that he had you on his mind and he had me on his mind. And sometimes I think we look at ourselves and we're like, you know, I'm living pretty good and I've kind of got my act together. And yeah, he died for me, praise God. But then maybe we just kind of look down on others because of their situation. Y'all, he died for them the same way he died for us. And it was because of his love, amen? It was because of his love. And based on our desire to, to live and love like Jesus, that means that we've got to change the way we see people too. And, and it's love. It's not condemnation that will bring others to him. There are a lot of people that do ministry, and I'm just going to be honest with you, in my opinion, I'm not God. I think they could be a little better with their delivery. And yeah, you can hammer them with scripture, but if it's not done in love, you're not going to reap any kind of fruit. Amen? You're not going to reap any kind of fruit. And in our culture today, today, people tend to associate love with agreement. Like, if you love me, you'll agree with me. And if you don't agree with me, then maybe you don't love me. No, that's not how it is. And not approving, apparently, for some people, thinks that that means we're judging them. No, that's not it. How many of y'all have children, and, and maybe they've done some things that you're not really happy about, right? But you still love them. You may not approve of whatever it is they're, they're doing, but you still love them. And love doesn't always mean that we're agreeing with our enemies. It, it doesn't mean that whatsoever. Uh, it's not saying that whatever they're doing is okay either. That's not what it means. But it does mean that we have to choose to look past their actions. Come on. We have to choose to look past whatever they're in, whatever they've been in in the past, look past that, and see them made in God's image. In addition to that, we've got to remember that, that apart from Jesus, they're the same as we are, lost. Come on. We're all lost apart from Jesus, and that's the way they are. But whenever they come to know Jesus, it's a completely different story, right? It's a completely different story. And, and, you know, once there's a relationship built and you love people, then over time, and somebody say over time, uh, over time, people can start to change. I think too many times it's like we want to see people instantly change. Just let them just ease into the water, okay? Just let them ease in just a little bit. God's going to start to work on them. So what do we do if we have a hard time loving people? All right, we're going to get honest just for a minute. How many of y'all um, sometimes are a little short with other people who don't believe like you? Good, me and Misha. That's good. Oh, there's more. Thank God. Misha, I thought we were all alone there. there okay, now the rest of you liars can get, get honest with me. How many of y'all have times uh, where you, you have a hard time loving people and you have a hard time seeing people the way Jesus sees them? Anybody else? That's right. How many of you sometimes you've thought to yourself, maybe I'm getting a little cynical about things? Anybody ever been there? Yeah, um, we've got to be very careful with that. And the truth is, is that we've got to spend more time with the source of love if we're having a hard time loving people. That's how we do it. We spend more time with the author, if you will, of love if we want to love people more. If you find yourself being judgmental, if you find yourself easily irritated with people, if you find yourself having a really hard time loving those who don't love you, then I would dare say you're probably not spending nearly enough time with God right now. 
and I'm not trying to throw down on you. I'm just telling you, the truth is, is that we all know those that we spend time with are the ones we become like. Let's get back to kids. How many of y'all have kids that have friends that are not the best influence? How many of y'all do not want those kids to be around your kids too much? Why? Because they will become like them, right? So here's the thing. If we're not spending a lot of time with the author, the source of love, and we're spending more time with just humans, and let me say, this is a good group of humans right here to spend time with. But y'all know what I mean, because we're being around people and like work people and school people and stuff like that, it's not the same as being around your church family. And it's sure not the same as spending time with God. It's not the same as spending time in prayer. It's not the same as spending time in your word to where God can just speak to you. So I would say this is that um, the truth is, is that if you're having a hard time loving people, it's probably because you need to spend more time with God. Can anybody say amen today? First John 4, 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from who? God. Love comes from who? God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. If you can't love, you don't know God. Why? Because God is 100% love. That last line there, for God is love, that's actually translated, he continually exists being love. It's not God was love, God is love, God will forevermore be love. Always love. That's our God, amen? Amen. And the attitude of, well, I'll love them once they change, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that's not of God. If you can't love somebody right now, you won't love them later. You can't. You think, well, they'll change, then I'll begin to love them. No. But let me tell you what will happen. Whenever you love them, you'll start to see a change in them. Come on now. You'll start to see a change in them. You know, whenever people that feel like they're outcasts all of a sudden are just approached by believers who just love them, it does something to them. It does something to them. Just like those guys that were up here just, you know, giving their testimonies last week. There's a group of people that have just loved them and just sown into their life. And did y'all see the change of what took place in their life? Why? Because people just showed them the love of God. That's all they did. Here's the statement I want you to get today. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. So we said that whole thing of we love because he first loved us. We love others because he's demonstrated such amazing love towards us. And so we're just responding to his love for us by loving others. Amen? We're just responding that way. As we close today, I want you to think about what Jesus did for you and I. Some fairly undeserving people. Amen? Based on what he did for us, how much more should we love him? How much more should we love others? No matter what their situation is, no matter what their past is, no matter what the present looks like for them, how much more... Should we love them? Uh, now, starting to kind of get back to where I started with the vision of this church. Uh, my desire is, is that this church is a church that loves God and loves people. I, I truly feel like this church does a really good job of loving people. 
I mean, I don't want to toot our own horn here, but I, I think, you know, and I've got to give some honor to my parents. Uh, Mom and dad were a couple of the most loving people you could ever be around. Amen. And, uh, and so that culture really came out of the founders of this church. And I'm just trying not to mess it up. I've got to be honest with you. But, you know, we've heard testimonies of people that came to this church and they just said, man, we felt so loved. We just felt so loved whenever we walked in the doors. What a beautiful testimony. It's just God just using you to just love others in the same way that, that he loved you. But I want us to be a church that continues to, to just run after God, to love God. But in addition to that, to love people as well. As I mentioned with our vision, there's other things that we're going to talk about. But if we can't love, we can't do anything else. If you can't do that, then there's no reason to even try to go to step two. Love. It all comes down to love. Amen? Amen. If you will stand with me this morning. I want us to briefly think about Adam and Eve. Let's go back to Genesis. Just the beginning of, of the word of God. Um, God loved Adam and Eve, of course, so much. But as we know, they sinned. They messed up, right? And so it says that the Lord went looking for him one day and he says, Adam, where are you? And, and then all of a sudden, Adam basically says, well, I'm, I'm over here. And he was hidden. And Adam and Eve had covered themselves with greenery and limbs and whatever else. And God basically says, what, what's, what's all this going on? What's this little outfit you got going on? <laughs> and Adam said, well, I'm naked. Now, just as a little bit of a history lesson, in case you didn't know this, Adam and Eve never really realized they were naked until they sinned. But the Lord responded whenever Adam said, I'm naked. He said, who told you that? Because God knew that he had never told Adam that. He had never told Eve that. And he said, who, who told you that? And of course, it was because of the sin and the enemy that they realized that they were indeed naked. And so, um, in a nutshell, God basically said, well, this isn't going to work. And, and God ended up covering them with skins, which, by the way, was the uh, first recorded sacrifice. Some animals had to die for the covering. Um, and that just actually is a representation of what Jesus would ultimately do being the perfect sacrifice for us. But he covered them. But some of you this morning you may feel unlovable. And you may think to yourself, there, there's, there's no way God could love me. And in the same way that God asked Adam, who, who told you that? I'm not going to ask you, but, but if you're hearing that voice, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it's the enemy that's telling you that. You see, it's not God that's speaking that to you. It's the enemy that's trying to keep you separated from the love of God. And God's desire is that all men come to repentance and that they know, that 
Every man knows God. Every woman knows God and has a, a relationship with him. And so today, I'm just going to tell you, if you feel like there's no way God can love you, that's a complete lie of the enemy. God loves you more than you could ever, ever imagine. Uh, Paul actually recounts the story of Adam and Eve in verse 19 of chapter 5 in the book of Romans. It says, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person, talking about Jesus, obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Because of what he did for us, doesn't matter your past, doesn't matter what you're in right now, doesn't matter what addiction you may be facing right now, because of what he did, it says right here that you can be made righteous. Be put in right standing with God today. Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week with Pastor Gene Amoson. We invite you to join us for our Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 o'clock or learn more at churchalive.net.